This is Bruce. This is John. This is Blix. And this is Trav. Welcome to the TriTac Games Podcast, your podcast of the end of the world and possibly fun. <laughs> this week we are continuing our series on disasters, and we're going to talk specifically about what are the various effects of various kinds of damage to the world around you that you might want to monitor and use to drive adventures. Trav, let's do fire. I've been waiting for fire because I love fire. Fire, fire. Fires. (laughs) All right. Okay, I went to Wikipedia as well. We will get the basic what fire is. And I'm quoting this. I printed it out here. Here we go. Fire (laughs) is the rapid oxidation of a material in the chemical process of combustion, releasing heat, light, and various reaction products. The flame is the visible part of the fire and consists of glowing hot gases. If hot enough, the gases may be ionized to produce plasma. I doubt in a disaster you're going to have plasma. Well, I don't know. It depends if... if Meteor impact. Yeah. From like a forest fire or a building fire, no. Meteor strike, yes. You are going to have plasma. Depending on the substances of light and any impurities outside, the color of the flame and the fire's intensity will, will be different. The guy who I work for for Dementia Radio, Blasted Bill, he has bonfires, and every so often he'll put copper dust in it, and the fire will turn green. So, yeah, fire in its most common form can result in conflagration, which has the potential for causing physical damage through burning. Fire is an important process which affects ecological systems across the globe. The positive effects of fire include stimulating growth and maintaining various ecological systems, you know, like burning and letting new stuff regrow. There are some plants that will not drop their seeds until there's a fire. Yeah. The negative effects of fire include water contamination, soil erosion, atmospheric pollution, and hazard to human life. You have three things which you need in order to have fire, which would be oxygen, heat, and fuel. And Bubba. And what? Bubba was fireworks. The guy who sets starts the fire. <laughs> Instigator, yeah. Um, fire start, yeah. Instigators, yeah. Fires start when a flammable and or combustible material in combination with a sufficient quantity of an oxidizer, such as oxygen gas or another oxygen-rich compound, is exposed to a source of heat or ambient temperature above the flash point for the fuel oxidizer mix and is able to sustain a rate of rapid oxidation that produces a chain reaction. This is commonly called the fire tetrahedron. Fire cannot exist without all of these elements in place and in the right proportions. Such as if you have the fuel and the oxygen, but no heat right. to spark that fuel, you're not going to get a fire. Now, once ignited, a chain reaction must take place whereby fires can sustain their own heat by the further release of heat energy in the process of combustion and may propagate provided there is a continuous supply of an oxidizer and fuel. Of course, fire can be extinguished by removing any one of the elements of the fire tetrahedron. Flames, which the most visible part of a fire, 
is a mixture of reacting gases and solids emitting visible infrared and sometimes ultraviolet light, the frequency spectrum of which depends on the chemical composition of the burning material and intermediate reaction products. In many cases, such as the burning of organic material, for example, wood, or the incomplete combustion of gas, incandescent solid particles called soot produces the familiar red-orange glow of fire. So what kind of fires are there? For the purpose of the game, you could be in the middle of a forest fire. You could be in a building fire. Meteor strike, yeah, you could have that, depending, Bureau 13 or Fringeworthy, depending on, you know, if you're on Earth and it hits, or if you're on an alternate Earth, and that could be a meteor strike, which in case you would get plasma, because of basically you're having something come in at terminal velocity. But usually for most adventures, you're going to have either a forest fire or in an urban area, a building fire. The building fire could be caused by the earthquake, gas main exploding, electrical base. It could be a lightning strike or it could be... It could be the idiot party member who throws a willy peak grenade or the stupid party member who is a wizard and happens, you know, decides to throw a fireball inside of an apartment complex. Or a lightning bolt could work, yeah. Let's see, heat. Fire gives off heat or the process of energy transfer from one body or system due to thermal contact. Typical temperatures of fire and flames. I mean, this is just for scale. A Bunsen burner flame, 2400 to 2900 degrees Fahrenheit. Those of you familiar with chemistry, little Bunsen burner thing that you use to light a test tube, you know, that's 2900 degrees Fahrenheit. You use it to melt glass to make your chemical apparatus. Right. Glass melts at 1500 degrees. Yeah, a blowtorch flame, and let's say, you know, Bureau 13 Fringe, you might have a blowtorch as part of your equipment. That's 2,400 degrees Fahrenheit. A simple candle flame, that's 1,800 degrees Fahrenheit. I'm just giving this a basis of scale. Let's put this in perspective. If you were to bake a piece of fish, 450 degrees is really hot for doing that. Yeah, so a blowtorch flame, that's like six times more powerful than what you would bake something. Yeah, fire, it, and, and we talked about this in the previous disaster podcast. If you're in a scenario where you're in the midst of a fire-based disaster, it's going to move rapidly. Again, this is chaos. It is a disaster. It's not going to move in any planned way. Another thing about fire you have to deal with is smoke damage. Now, for I'm going to go D20 because... Again, I apologize for my lack of familiarity with with Savage World. They both need to be covered. We're doing both. It's on page 0303 of the Dungeon Master's Guide. Catching on fire. Characters at risk of catching fire are allowed a 15 reflex save to avoid this fate. If a character's clothes or hair catch on fire, takes 1d6 points of damage immediately. In each subsequent round, the burning character must make another reflex save. Failure indicates he, you know, lather, rinse, repeat. Success means the fire has gone out. Jump in enough water to douse yourself no body of water is hand rolling on the ground or smothering the fire with cloaks that'll like give you another save with a plus four bonus. Oh, we have lava effects here. Lava magnum deal 2d6 points of damage per round of exposure, except in the case of total immersion. Mm-hmm. It says 20d6. No, no, that's no, we've already covered that. <laughs> total immersion equals you're dead. Yeah, yeah, 20d6. That that's that's nitpicking. A lot of people don't die in fires from fire. They die from smoke inhalation. Firefighters, that's why they have the breath mass in the air tanks when they go in. Character briefs heavy smoke must make a fortitude save each round, DC 15, plus one per previous check, or spend that round choking and coughing. 
A character who chokes for two consecutive rounds takes 1d6 points of non-lethal damage. Smoke also obscures vision, giving 20% mischance concealment to characters within it. It does not matter if it is the burning material or toxic stuff like, I don't know, asbestos burning in a building. It doesn't matter the material base. You're still going to choke from it. And as I said, more people die in a fire from smoke inhalation than from heat and, and the flame itself. You're playing in a campaign. You're the game master. You're going to make people make checks. What are they going to make a check against for their save versus, say, smoke inhalation? Uh, if I were to do Savage Worlds, maybe maybe a survival roll? Smoke inhalation. Fires in confined areas produce deadly smoke. Every round the character is in, is in such an environment, he must make a vigor roll. Vigor roll. Okay. There you go. A, a wet cloth over the face adds plus two to the roll, and a gas mask negates the need for the roll entirely. If the roll is failed, the character gains a fatigue level. Now, you, for those you play D20, go, well, okay, you get fatigue. You can only get fatigued twice, then you pass out. Let's say you're playing a firefighter character, and they had knowledge firefighting. I'd let him make that roll instead, instead of a vigor roll. Because they're using skill versus the fire. You know to get down close to the ground. and Right, they would know what to do. So I would give them that skill roll instead of a stat roll, which is better. It's always better than a skill roll, because they're always harder to make. I would give them the better of the two. Yeah, anybody can make a stat check. I mean, and a lot of skills in D20, I mean, all they're all ability-based checks. Yeah. And a lot of skills in D20 are untrained. Yep. You can sit there and just make it, and it's basically D20 plus your stat modifier. Smoke effects, that's a fortitude save, and it's DC 15, and then for each consecutive check, you up it by one. And if it's for two rounds, you spend yeah. choking, then you start taking 1D6 points of non-lethal damage, which okay. once you, I believe non-lethal or subdual damage, they may call it, once you take non-lethal damage equal to your hit points, you drop unconscious. Right. Yeah. In, in Savage Worlds, basically, if you fail three times at the at this vigor roll, you're passed out. And at that point, your survival is going to be in question. Instead of making a vigor check, uh, would you say that knowledge firefighting would be better? It depends on the skill, whichever, you know, because some folks may actually have a fairly decent vigor, while their knowledge firefighting may only be D6. They may have a D8 in vigor. Might let them make a roll. Versus their knowledge, and if they and if they get a raise, they get a plus one to their vigor roll. If they were with a group of players, I would allow them, if they make their roll, to extend that plus one to everybody in the party. Because that's them telling everyone, get down on the ground, cover your faces up. Well, they'd basically be using the assistance rule. Yeah. They'd be assisting everyone with their knowledge. Right. Yeah, aid, aid another in D20, where you know yeah. if you have a skill roll... You have one person do it, and anybody else who can make the skill roll adds a plus two to the main skill user's roll. So if you have five people yeah. helping you, that's a plus ten to your rolls. You know, for, for people who are out there thinking about, you know, running an adventure through a fire, uh, remember that fire is the minor hazard. Smoke is really the major hazard. That is the number one hazard. Yes. A as I said, uh, more people, in when, as far as deaths in building fires and forest fires, it's more smoke inhalation than the actual heat and flame. As I understand it, it's not just more. It's exponentially more. I mean, it is literally serious amount more people die from smoke inhalation than do from the actual fire. Oh, yes, yes. I mean, like, vastly more. But there are situations during the fire, though, if I remember correctly, from a certain movie with a title. 
Backdraft. Yes, you got burning building, and you're and you're not the firefighting type. You don't check to see, make sure the door is hot. You open it up. The room that was not on fire suddenly gets that third leg of the of the stool of the of the tetrahedron. You get a wall of fire in your face. The rush of that hot air coming in. The firefighter he opens that door. The fire blows in, knocks him on his butt. You know, because you have uh, pressure differential, too, also, and just whoosh. So there's a chance you may get yanked into the room at first, then you get blasted back out as the overpressure happens. Yeah, obviously, knowledge, uh, they don't have anything for knowledge firefighting. It's also your survival. Survival, maybe earth life, well, no, heat and physics and all that, that's physical sciences, actually. Right, physical, science. physical science would be your best bet. And for yeah. every man's skill, you roll a DC-10, that'd basically be D20 plus your intelligence modifier. And that would be knowing basic things. You you might want to have ranks in knowledge, physical sciences, in order to you know know things about physics and as far as how is light and heat and air move and all that, in order to know specific things like that. In the near future, mankind will discover something that will change him forever. An ancient portal system to millions of worlds. Built by a civilization of advanced alien beings, now lost to the ravages of an interdimensional war, he will venture forth into the fringes of space and time to find alternate Earths and alien worlds, where he will find a wondrous bounty of knowledge as to who he was and what he might become. He will also find danger at every turn as he encounters hostile societies, alien beings, and the insidious Miller. Fringeworthy, the tabletop game of interdimensional adventure is now available for a D20 system and coming soon to Savage Worlds. Action and adventure await you as you explore through the interdimensional fringes of space to an infinite number of new worlds. Your characters will face danger and excitement around every corner. Sail with Blackbeard on the Seven Seas. Journey to a steampunk Victorian age. Fight the Soviets in an 80s America that lost the Cold War. Travel to an alternate future and witness a supernova from the bridge of a starship, and then battle it out with blasters and plasma swords. Use any D20 setting you already own, or invent your own. Check out the French Woody Podcast at tritaxsystems.podbean.com to find out more. Whether you've never heard of Fringeworthy or have been playing it for the past 25 years, the Fringeworthy Podcast will entertain and inform you of all the cool stuff you can do with the most all-encompassing setting ever written. Every week, we'll take you on a tour of the fringes of space and give you tips on how to game in this fantastic multiverse. We discuss adventure ideas for the game masters and how to keep your team of characters alive for the players. Go to tritacsystems.podbean.com and take a listen. You can also find us on iTunes under keyword Fringeworthy. A million million worlds await you. Music by Ernster, available on iTunes. As far as being in a fire-based situation, I'm using the rules from Fireball. I happen to have the player's handbook open here. Fire to combustible damage area. Melts metals with low melting points and... If you have equipment on you, also when you're in a fire, the equipment would have to make a fortitude save. The heat may also affect that piece of equipment. As I said, I listed temperatures here. Just from a candle flame, that's 1,800 degrees. That's a flame that's maybe two inches high. If you're in a building fire, it's going to be getting hot. The air itself could be, you know, 100 degrees plus. Oh, oh, a traffic can be higher than that. 
spreading fire in uh, Savage Worlds, you pick a target that's in the fire that's near a flame, and you, and you roll a d6. If you roll a six from for average targets, like say it's made out of wood, but it's not very flammable, it, it may catch fire on a six. Now, if it's made out of say an old Russian bed with stuffed with, with straw, that catches fire half the time, fifty percent of the time. <laughs> ah, yes. Right. All hope is not lost because fire itself has no great penetrating value. Okay, unlike a lot of the other types of damages we're talking about, if you take a wet towel and you wrap it around your arm, you can put your hand into one of those, you know, huge flames we're talking about, and you won't take any damage. Initially. Well, of course. It takes time. It has to destroy the material between you and the fire. So even minor amounts of clothing can protect you at least for a very short period of time against fire. It wouldn't be able to protect you against falling debris. It wouldn't be able to protect you against a lot of other things. Flying glass? Flying glass, sure. Flamethrowers. Well, a flamethrower itself is the same thing. It has to still burn through your protective covering. That's why you keep saying that things like the breathing in the fumes is what's the most dangerous part because the fire itself has a hard time actually reaching you. And even if it does, your skin, as much as you don't want to burn it, okay, it's there to protect the inside of your body. You can lose a lot of skin okay, and still maintain the integrity of your bloodstream and everything else. It's afterwards that you get infections and things like that, and that kills you. Burns. Again, from the font of all wisdom and knowledge, Wikipedia. A burn is a type of injury to flesh caused by heat, electricity, chemicals, light, radiation, or friction. Most burns only affect the skin, epidermal tissue, and dermis. Rarely deeper tissues such as muscle, bone, and blood vessels can also be injured. Burns may be treated in an out-of-hospital setting or may require more specialized treatments such as those available at specialized burn centers. Managing burns is important because they are common, painful, and can result in disfiguring and disabling scarring, amputation of affected parts, or death in severe cases. Complications such as shock infection, multiple organ dysfunction syndrome, electrolyte imbalance, and respiratory distress may occur. The treatment of burns may involve the removal of dead tissue, which is known as debridement, applying dressings to the wound, administering large volumes of intravenous fluids, administering antibiotics, and skin grafting. If we're talking about... We're talking about Frenchworthy. We're talking about access to advanced technology because that's the one thing that Frenchworthy has. They have a lot of. So is Bureau 13. Bureau 13. Of course, they have magical healing as well, which would take care of infections and stuff. And then there's the whole – if we're talking about Savage Worlds, we're talking about the whole concept of cinematic heroes. You know, If you get burned, it's just a wound. It doesn't matter what the burn is or how many percentage of your body or whatever – all that goes out the window. It only matters if you take up to three wounds and you become incapacitated. Then you can have potential of getting a permanent scar. Other than that, Savage Worlds doesn't care about the type of wound. It's all cinematic. Right. Yeah. To be realistic, right. we're, we're playing heroes and we're, we're, you know, we're playing these adventurous type situations. We don't want to get bogged down by characters dying from infectious wounds. That just Forget about that. Yeah, that that's something that'd be off camera and yeah. That's what common people die of. That's what the shopkeeper dies of. That's not what the hero dies of. There. After five long years, my latest invention is complete. Surely it will revolutionize personal transportation for decades to come. Hey, who let you in here? Get get away from there. 
You stupid simian sociopath! Don't touch that! Ah, monkeys took my jetpack! Monkeys took my jetpack at mtmjetpack.com. I want to read this just I this caught my eye in Wikipedia and I know that there are players and I have one in particular Eric who would do this if given the chance and this is has to do with fires there's going to be an industrious player that comes up with it and there is a spell that could do this NASA's recently found that gravity also plays a role in flame formation modifying the gravity causes different flame types the common distribution of flame under normal gravity conditions depends on convection. A suit ri- tends to rise to the top of the general flame, as in a candle normal gravity conditions, making it yellow. In microgravity or zero gravity, such as environment outer space, a starship perhaps, something catches on fire. Bruce mentioned that earlier. Convection no longer occurs and the flame becomes spherical with a tendency to become more blue and more efficient, although it may go out if not moved steadily, as the CO2 from combustion does not disperse as readily in microgravity and tends to smother the flame. Experiments in NASA reveal that diffusion flames in microgravity allow more suit to be completely oxidized after they are produced than diffusion flames on Earth because of a series of mechanisms that behave differently in microgravity when compared to normal gravity conditions. These discoveries have potential applications in applied science and industry, especially concerning fuel efficiency. I know for a fact that Eric the Enabler, my co-host on my show, would sit there and do reverse gravity and try to put out a fire. <laughs> so I, I just noticed that when I when I printed this out and I said, I put a star next to it, this merits attention. Just There might be an enterprising player who researches this and decides, oh, I'm going to put out this fire and does that. And this is science. I mean, I know, like Blick said, there are times you don't want to get bogged down in science, but an enterprise... They're looking for experience points and decide to do that. Yeah. With fires, you have forest fires, which would could be caused by some man-made thing. It could be anything from the cigarette being left down to the just, Willie Peekinade you know, that was tossed yeah, out on yeah, the players. Some, some, some <laughs> player or some NPC does something intentionally or unintentionally such as that you know a cigarette flecked out a window could cause if everything's dry enough and hot enough it could do it or a lightning Usually, strike lightning strike yes in that case then you have to deal with the fire itself smoke inhalation then destruction and then that could in turn cause a building fire because you have houses that catch fire do this uh actor christopher lloyd a couple years ago uh doc emmett brown from back to the future he lost everything in a, due to california wildfires one can lead to another, and that could be a domino effect. Fire acts, and, and you have arson investigators and firefighters who will attest to this. Fire acts almost as if it's sentient. It moves on its own. It is hard to, to follow. Containing a fire, that's why these California firefighters have to do things like do drop buckets. And not only they do water, there's also like sort of, I want to say red clay that they use to just smother a fire because you're depriving it of oxygen. Once you get one of the three parts of the fire tetrahedon done, the fire's out. If you take away the source of fuel, you take away the heater, you take the oxidizer, problem solved. Don't they also use explosives to blow away, like, sections of areas? Oh, yeah. They, if, if you remove the source of fuel, if you remove underbrush due to an explosion, soil doesn't burn all that well. No. And then after a while, boom, problem solved. 
Well, it's not just that, Trav. It's also that there's usually a core where the most heat is. And if you can blow that core apart, then a lot of times it doesn't have enough. The heat, right. right. And then you're taking out one of the three things of the, the fire tetrahedron. Right. Also, forget about with with, with the when the well, all the oil wells are on fire back in in the uh, in um, Iraq, all the oil well fires they had to literally blow them out. Right, and either 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 using massive hoses or by explosives. Here's There's, an interesting story about that. Really quick, yeah. there was a lady that was in the Secretary of State office there in Kuwait, and she took a picture of the files because there were several different types of oil wells and each had to be put out in a separate fashion. This lady took the pictures in the office, in like the records office, and got them out of there. If she had not done that, it would have taken years to put those fires out because they would have had to sit there, okay, it's this type of well, what do we do with this one? No, this lady got those pictures out of there, you know, the little, the little slide cameras that you see in movies. She took pictures like that and got them out of there. And the people who put out the Kuwaiti oil fires, okay, we plotted out at this site, it's this type of well. Okay, at these particular sites, we use method A. And okay, these ones here, we use method B. So they were able to systematically put out, the, it still took, what, weeks to put out all those fires? Yeah. And yeah. in the meantime, when you have a fire outside like that, such as a forest fire or the Kuwaiti... You have to deal with ecological damage of that fire. Ecosystems are disrupted due to the smoke and pollution. Mm -hmm. Because it said here at the beginning of this, water contamination, soil erosion, atmospheric pollution. You have mm -hmm. to deal with that also, that as after effects of a fire in the wilderness or even in a building fire. You're dealing with soot in the air and all that. So, Trav, let, let's talk about... Um so about adventure, you know, because this is what this is all about, is that you have yes. an adventure during a fire. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you're a game master and you want to use fire as part of your adventure. How would you introduce it? How would you inject that into an adventure? Well, as I said, we could have the man-made reasons or as I believe it was John that, you know, he, did, he just did earthquakes. A gas line ruptures or a power line falls starts a fire. So now you're having to deal with, or even just, you know, a car crashing and hitting a pole and it knocks it down. You now have a building on fire and you have to deal with the flame itself. You have to deal with the heat. You have to deal with the smoke. Fire moves around randomly. We mentioned the movie Backdraft. I believe it was Robert De Niro was the arson investigator in that. And you, if you remember it, you see the look on his face as he lights a door jam on fire and just how the fire crawls up the side of the door jam. And he's talking about it, and it's almost a hypnotic tone that that character does because of how the fire moves. And it's, it's hypnotic, and pyromaniacs often tend to get that look in their eye when they see fire go like that. You're a fringeworthy team, and the meddler decided the best way to keep you, because turns out he's immune to fire, so he starts a fire. No, he can fully move right through it without worrying about it. And there's something <laughs> cinematic. You're having the person walk through the fire, and they're untouched. And you're just, and I mean, they could be in human form to do that. That'd still be enough to sit there and just set people off like, okay, this, and then he changes. <laughs> I recognize that feminine scream of panic anywhere. Yeah. Um. 
through any of the natural disaster stuff they were talking about, it's a secondary effect. I mean, even through like man-made disasters, fire is a lot of times secondary effect. Fire is easy to happen. Let's go back to Fringeworthy again. So we just entered one of these forest worlds, and they decided to to investigate. Well, later that it's summertime, and, and they had one of those summer storms that strikes in between them and the portal, starting a fire. Now you're on the wrong side of the fire, and you really don't have any support, and there's a forest fire between you and the portal, and you don't know which way to go because that fire is all around you. You're trying to find a river or a lake or someplace to get into to get away from that fire. Like for Savage Worlds, we can go back to the cards again, just the way the beauty that works out. It's a chase again. It's another chase. Yeah. It's a chase, right? It's another chase. Exactly. You're trying to outrun the fire. And you can do random roll, like splash effect, D6. All of a sudden, it moves in this direction. Okay, fine. A couple rounds later, the GM can go, oh, guess what? It's coming back at you. And that's where you could do things, like Bruce said, if you have explosives, which some fringe-worthy people do. You're going to have a demolitions expert, maybe. Or you can rig up something where just, okay, we're going to blow this up, we're going to set this here, and we're going to blow it where the fire will end here. And then we just make a run for it. And John, like we were saying about Savage Worlds, you know, it's like a chase scene. But in this case, you're not using your, your piloting skill or driving skill or whatever. You could be using your knowledge firefighter you know what survival skill is okay but i don't like using that for fire because natural survival skill doesn't teach you how to deal with fire right usually survival skill is for natural occurrences it's for after the fire is done (laughs) food water in d20 it's for tracking knowledge forestry and if you don't have the knowledge d4 minus two yeah, and the difficulty of the smarts check depends on what you get for a card. It could be a light obstacle, in which case it's only a target number four. It could be a medium obstacle, which is a six. It could be a massive obstacle, which is a which is an eight. And, and again, that's where the you cards know. come in. That nice because like nothing moves chaotic like a fire does, because it can envelop you in any second because it's 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 moving in all directions at all times at at any given angle. Okay, Carol, now you take these notes, and then we're about ready to begin. Okay, sure. Well, what are you two doing here? We don't record until tomorrow. We're making a new promo for All Games Considered, since you were dragging your feet getting one written. Hey. She's right, though. It's been too long, and a lot has happened since the last promo. Yeah, like winning the gold any for Best Gaming Podcast for 2009. You mean the one you try to work into the conversation every other episode? Hey. Now, now, there's more than that. There's the new format. You mean the main show every two weeks and the assortment of other features in the meantime? Right, like games you may never have heard of, the review and new shows. Don't forget the RPG buffet. And on the main show, we have more time to focus on gaming topics. Like board and card games. And RPGs. And the people who play them, from the old school to the newest of the new. But But no no changeling. Hey! Find out more at agcpodcast.info. All games considered, because there's more than one true way to play. During forest fires, there are crown fires where the fire is actually going over over your head and then burning down. Oh yeah, right, right, yeah, because it goes it goes across the top of the tree line and then drops down at some point. Uh, wind moves a fire completely. I mean, you know, you you could have your forest fire burning one way and then the wind changes direction and then all of a sudden your forest fire is burning a completely different direction. Oh yeah, that that's something that the California firefighters have to deal with every summer because. 
you get that Santa Ana. Know, Santa Ana. Thank you, John, out there on the West Coast. Yes. Um, the Santa Ana wind comes blowing through there, you know, like heck on wheels. And all of a sudden that fire will shift and it's like near a U-turn. And that's why it takes weeks for these guys from all over the western part of the U.S. that have to fight these fires because they got to deal with wind. They got to deal with heat. They got to deal with, you know, if there's rain, okay, that'll help them out maybe. But usually yeah. it's hot, the hot, dry season. Rain is not an option. We're talking about outside fires, but let's say the adventure takes place in a building like the Tower Inferno. Building moves through a fire completely unpredictably, you know, because there are channels that it takes, like elevator shafts and yeah, whatever materials they used, you know, who, who knows what materials they used, whatever furniture. And, and of course, the builder... You know, didn't use rated materials in some some places to cut corners and save money. Right, and they paid off inspectors and all that kind of stuff because you know I, I used to work in in mechanical electrical plumbing, which I had to deal with fire ratings all the time on buildings because that was just part of the you know design process. But there were a lot of cases where I went to buildings where I did the initial survey because we were going to retrograde this or retrofit the service, and I was like. Who approved this? This none of this is the code. So yeah, I know firsthand how inspectors get paid off. It's it's frequent. Oh God, I forgot something about something else entirely about um, building fires. I uh, for those of you who don't know, I work in the automotive aftermarket. I I'm in an auto parts warehouse. You have to deal with the possibility of chemicals being in a building. Oh sure, yeah, and chemicals put off noxious fumes, which again. Oh, yes. I, I, I deal with, with solvents and lacquers and auto paint and battery acid and, and just... That place would blow up real good. Oh, no. My place, if there... Oh, no. There is no it, smoking it, it anywhere blow, in the it, building. I have to take fire extinguisher uh, training every so We got to go through the yearly video and you have to... You have A, B, C, D, and E type fire extinguishers, which have to deal with... Okay, you have paper and wood. You have electrical fires. And you have uh, water-based, you have carbon dioxide, you have halon. You have to use the type of fire extinguisher based on what type of fire it is. And as I said, in my particular section, the one I work in, of course, I'm the one that has all the flammable stuff. Lucky me. Mm -hmm. I mean, you may, may be in a fire and in, in a building fire, let's say Bureau 13 investigation, and you're doing the whole OSHA thing. You yeah, already no. know that you're basically in a fire pit. You know, anybody so much as lights a cigarette, and guess what? <laughs> you're you're going back to yeah. the base the hard way. There is a certain chemical that actually, if you get it in water, I want to say if you put... Sodium, yes, you're right, John. You're yeah. right. Sodium, all the alkaline metals, sodium, potassium. Okay. You have to deal with things like that where simple things, that if you just put them together and you don't know what you're doing, can cause a fire. Most of the time when you're running into a fire in an actual adventure, it's probably going to be intentional. It's probably going to be yeah. someone who doesn't like you who's setting a fire to kill you. And so it's going to be attacking you from the outside in. You're going to be inside the building and someone's going to set fire to the outside. Assuming, of course, that they just didn't mine the entire building. Or it could be that there's a creature on the inside, in the case of Bureau 13, that has fire. And it's setting fire wherever it goes. You know. Oh, a salamander would be perfect. Right. Fire elemental, whatever. Yeah, some yeah. wizard came and summoned something. It's like, right. take that building out. Right. So the techniques that you're going to have to use are going to be totally different. 
In the first case, you know, the fire's on the outside. So you're in a, a moment of relative safety inside. You need to basically breach a wall and get out. You have to start asking your questions like, is there a subterranean exit? If I get up to the top of the building, can I get airlifted off? Can I throw a cable to another building and escape that way before the fire gets too high and starts burning me? Or if the fire is high, is it so momentary like I talked about, are you going to be able to go through it anyways with minor damage? Is the fire a bad thing? Sometimes, in the case of a supernatural incident, a fire might be the best way possible of getting rid of the problem. Also, fire can be used as a delaying tactic. They They need to escape, so they set fire to a building. And they hope that you being good guys, you, you don't ignore the building and the, and the innocent victims inside and go rescue them. Yeah, they're counting on you being decent. Yeah. Darn those ethics. Yeah. <laughs> hope you don't have a bunch of players say, I don't know nothing about uh, putting out no fires. And so they just keep on going. I uh, see in Savage Worlds, there's the uh, heroic hindrance where you, you are by, by nature forced to help the, the innocent and, and unlucky. <laughs> like fear that. not, fair citizen. Yeah. So, so, Trad, do you cover volcanoes any at all or any of that kind of stuff? Malhavik Press, when the sky falls, it's Meteor Strikes D20, a 30-foot piece of material, a meteorite hitting blast radius, and it deals with lava bombs, and, you know, those can go for miles. Right. You could have a, a fire five miles away from a meteor strike due to when it hits displacement from the meteor hitting the ground and leaves a crater and what that crater is if it's not atomized due to the plasma mm-hmm. sends basically shrapnel for lack of a better up to miles away and those start there you can get forest and grass fires start from that flaming shrapnel yes as I said, it's it's from Malhavik Press. It's When the Sky Falls by Bruce Cordell. I've used it in my campaign. As a matter of fact, the mm-hmm. solo campaign I ran with with Becky had to do with a meteor strike, so I did compute all that out. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that that's something really good if you use a meteor strike causing a forest fire. You can use those stats for that. Uh, let's see. Something about magma here. You'd... Well, magma will automatically ignite anything it touches. You don't have to make a roll for it. And that includes people. <laughs> yeah. Yes. If you if you jump out the back of a subway train into a stream of lava, your first action is not to uh, throw the person you have in your arms away from you. Your first action is to, is to collapse into into the rest of the lava, screaming bloody murder because your legs are gone. Right. Yeah. Well, it says except for total immersion, lava or magma does two d six points of damage per round exposure. Damage for magma continues one d three rounds after exposure ceases, but this additional damage is only half of that dealt during the actual contact. Yeah. It can also turn you into a Dark Lord of the Sith. <laughs> yes, yes. Now remember, he didn't actually fall into it. He just got close enough. No, he just got close to it. The radiant heat from open lava is enough to will, will burn your flesh. You need to be in some sort of protective gear. Oh, by the way, also for those of you, ru- you know, GMs using Miller, just a note for D20 Fringeworthy, an immunity or resistance to fire serves as an immunity to lava or magma. However, yeah, yeah. a creature immune to fire may still drown it completely in lava. <laughs> but yeah, if you want to use the the Melor walking through part of a lava flow or over a lava flow, 
that's enough to unnerve a lot of fringe-worthy people too, especially when that Mellor is in human form. Well, especially when he walks out of the lava flow, he shakes his, shakes off his lava boots he's now wearing and it's keeps like, on going. Yeah, <laughs> looks at you and just shakes that head like no. <laughs> but the good point that you brought up is is that they don't have to actually touch the lava; they can get close to it, or or not even lava, but just like a fire. Let's say. Um, you know, buildings on fire, and they they're going to save somebody. They're fall, they're laying on the ground, and, and you're going to go in and save them. Well, you rush in, but you're up, you know, where the heat is and everything like that. You know, your character could take damage, and a person would might might the player might look at you and go, "Wait a minute, I'm not touching the fire." It's like, no, you don't have to. Yes, the heat will still be enough. You would get <laughs> minimum first degree burns from that type of environment. Just, and that's where just the skin gets red and puffy and tight. It's yeah. when blisters start forming, that's second degree, and then third degree is where it's either charred black or charred white. I believe that's due to nerve damage. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. And this is Blix. Remember, bullets speak louder than words. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. The Tri-Tech Podcast is protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial distribution or derivatives are allowed. The TriTech Podcast is wholly owned by TriTech Games. Visit us at www.tritechgamers.com or on Facebook. Hi, this is Trav of the Travcast, Hour 3 of Blind Wolf's Rubber Room Association on DementiaRadio.org, Tuesdays, 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern.